back to the IM Symposium Winter Solstice 2017. And today, my guests, we met seven years ago at the Next Top Spiritual Author Competition, which most of us in the group ended up calling the Next Top Spiritual Author Cooperation because so many of us met, got our, our humble starts into, into writing books and so far so many of us that we met back then who formed this really tight bond have written books published books um and they're all it was i don't know if any of us ever really published a book from that whole competition or cooperation but we had a great time and we're all most of us are still connected today even my book writing editor who i jockey back and forth with uh raven we met in during that competition so this is really great. So let me introduce Carol Woodliff. Carol Woodliff, the shaman on the walk, encourages people to look deeper and connect with the essence of nature in their daily lives through her photo meditations on the spirit of trees, flowers, animals, and insects she encounters on her daily walks. She is the author of the award-winning book, From Scare to Sacred Lessons in Learning to Dance with Life, which encourages people to hear the whispers of spirit in their lives, but also hold a loving space for the challenges of being human. For over 15 years, she has assisted authors, artists, and entrepreneurs to pursue their passions with authenticity and loving presence by helping them release trauma and blocks, which keep them from shining their true light in, in the world. Carol is a writer, actor, photographer, healing guide, coach, and ceremony liver, leader living in Los Angeles. For more information about Carol, visit her at carolwoodlift.com. And for those of you who are registered for the IM Symposium, you'll get a link. You'll get a link to the special gifts she's offering you. And if you got here by chance, make sure you go to the IM Symposium and sign up so you get this information and these special gifts. And I'm really honored to have you here. And seven years in the making, your book came out a couple years ago, right? Yeah, it actually came out in um, 2012, so it's been five years already. Wow, where's um, time gone? <laughs> yeah, it 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 does move quickly, but uh, you know, I did that was the book I was working on at the time with the next top spiritual author. So, I'm one of the few that actually took the book that we were working on and got it out there in the world, and it's been a really great journey and. As much as I move away and do other things, the lessons and the message of that book is like the theme of my life. It's like the dance between having this great spiritual connection, being able to hear whispers, hear information from spirit, and yet being this kind of bumbly human who doesn't, you know, who sometimes just goes, I don't know what I'm doing. And to really sit with both of those and honor both pieces um, has been kind of my journey. And it's sort of what I do in no matter what I'm working on, that's always an underlying theme. So 
excited to be here today. And sorry for that bio. It was a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I practiced. You did good. (laughs) Yeah, my my developmental editor um, of Winds of Spirit, Stephanie Gunning, always taught me, you practice your you practice your bio so when you read them you sound intelligent so for those of you who want to do video those of you who want to you know conduct telesummits you always practice the bios of the people that you're going to be speaking with i didn't i actually that book that i was writing back then uh the shaman chef my life and other recipes um it sort of parlayed into this other book the winds of spirit because it was the first time in my life that I wrote, a, I wrote something, sent it to my mother, and it was the first time my mother resisted. And then she didn't speak to me for a year because she felt like not only had I gotten all the information wrong in her eyes, but that I was airing the family's dirty laundry out for the whole world to see. And what, the gift of that, because we were talking about mothers, because during the next top spiritual author, you lost your mother Mm-hmm. And I got my mother. Isn't that kind of an interesting yeah. thing? Because through writing this next book, I, I healed with my mother. In fact, a, a few months ago, she said, I'm really proud of you. I hear that this publisher is really big. I don't know who they are or who's going to read your book. But she said, could you please take down that, that story on your website from your other book so I can share your website with my friends? And at the time, ten years, seven years ago, I would have been like, you're abs- no, absolutely no, put my, no, no, no. But now it was like, oh, if that would make you happy, please let me take that down. And, and so you can feel free to share my website with your friends. And I did. Well, that's, you know, it's such an interesting thing because what I would thought we'd talk about today is this family thing. We're in the holidays and what Ram Das says, you know, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. Um, we all have these things where we're, our family is our laboratory for working out a lot of our issues and working out stuff. So this idea of family, and we talked about the fact that, um, my mom passed during the next top spiritual author competition or cooperation. Mm. And my book from scared to sacred really was a lot about my working out my relationship with her, which wasn't necessarily easy. She was a very good mom, but it wasn't an easy relationship. And it was me trying to figure out how to hold her as that human being, how to hold myself as that human being, but elevate that to a sacred place. And I feel like so much of our family relationships, we get stuck in this, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, How dare she wanna take my website down? You know, that story on my website. And when we can get to a different place, um, we see so much growth. a story with my mom is I, my whole life, she did so many wonderful things for me. She was the mom who stayed up baking cookies. She was the mom who typed your term paper. She made dresses for my prom. So I knew she loved me, but she never said the words. Now you have to understand my mom graduated high school in 1940, born in 1922, totally different generation. Um, of that depression, World War II era, stiff upper lip, you know, people. So I didn't, at the time, I was so longing for something that she couldn't give. 
so longing for that. And I was always resentful. And then there was this thing. I'd go home for the holidays. And at the time I was in my twenties and thirties and I had given up a corporate day job to um, pursue acting and writing. And mom could not understand this. Why would I give up a secure job to go off and do this artsy fartsy thing? So what she would do is she would say, I'd come home for the holidays. How's that little acting thing you're doing going? You haven't booked anything this year, have you? I think you should go back to your job. I just don't understand why you're doing this. And I would call my friends in tears from the bathroom going, why can't she support me? Why can't she love me the way I need her to love me? And in the process of doing my own work, I realized no one had loved her the way she needed to be loved. No one had probably spoken those words to her regularly because I know my grandmother and my grandmother was very much like my mom, strong woman. And I went, hmm, what if I connect with that human part that needs it, that needs the love? and give her the unconditional love that I can't, that I'm so longing for. And I had done enough work that I could do it. And I did it very simply. Every call that we had, because we were 1500 miles away apart from each other, I would end the call with, I love you, mom. Not expecting her to respond, but just saying, I love you, mom. And in the beginning, she'd be like, And I would be like, okay, next week or the next call would be, I love you, mom. And after weeks, she said, I know. (laughs) And then we went by more weeks. And then she said, you too. And then we went more weeks, maybe even a year, year and a half. And the call would come to an end and she'd be like, you know, I love you. And so that whole energy of, of not getting caught in the, I need this from you and you can't give it to me, shifted our whole relationship. And so by the time I was sitting bedside with her in her last three days and helping usher her to the other side, I could honestly say from my heart, you did a good job and I'm happy that you were my mom and all those things you want to have said in those last moments. So I think sometimes when we go home for the holidays, we get in that fight. Why can't you support what I want? Or, and this isn't just holidays, but it's the holiday time. So I'll use that as an example. Um, I think it's really important for us to like realize we're both in this dance you know, our human self and our higher self. And when we can get to that more sacred contract between people and look at what the need is, I think we get, we get energized and magical things happen. Uh, That doesn't mean you take abuse. That doesn't mean that certain people don't have families that they can't interact with. I totally acknowledge that. And sometimes you have to do love from afar. And you have to, one of the things I did with a particular person in my family who was very challenging for me is I didn't interact with that person a lot, but I put them on my altar and I said, okay, help me see this differently. Help me see this person differently. Help me see the, you know, our interaction differently. And 
I got as I meditated and journaled and all the thick tools that we use about that person, I could feel the woundedness in that person and the very humanness that caused those behaviors. And while I could never really be in the same room with him <laughs> and that without there being sparks, I could from a distance be holding a higher vision for our relationship. Unfortunately, he passed before that relationship shifted. But I feel a lot better having held a possibility than been locked in the conflict. And I think as we journey on in our path, we know that we have to choose how we're looking at people and that's on us and we can decide i can't be with you but i can hold something higher of spirit something sacred for you in our interactions so i look at our holidays as a laboratory time to go where am i and what can i come home afterwards or after that interaction to add love there's a saying that healing is adding love where it hurts. So there's so many traditions from the meta meditation in Buddhism, which is, you know, may I be peaceful, may I be happy, may I be well, and then you turn that to may all beings or may that person be happy and peaceful and well. I think there's just such good juicy stuff in this, um, idea of when we get triggered that's where you go you dive into it as opposed to running away from it and I try to do that and sometimes I do it elegantly and sometimes I do it stumbling and bumbling and coulda woulda should have wished I'd done better and I think that's the dance that between our humanness and our spirit and like I said that's an overriding theme for myself in my life <laughs> Very interesting. Maybe <clears throat> some people who are at home might not know what putting somebody on your altar means or even what an altar is. Could you tell somebody how you go about putting somebody onto your altar and what that altar sacred space is for you? My, certainly. My altar for me is a place I sit when I meditate. And it's just, it's a bookcase that has a few items on top of it. It has some candles, um, a flower normally. Um, and then depending on how I feel, sometimes I put a picture of the person that I'm working with um, in my own thing. Sometimes I just take the essence of the person and put it in a stone or a crystal or something because sometimes even the picture may trigger me and I've done this for people at work that I want to shift a relationship with for family whatever and for me I blow the essence of the conflict and the essence of how I perceive the person right now into that rock or that crystal or whatever, it could be a stick, it could be anything that, you know, calls to me that says, yeah, this is what I'm going to use for that person, it could be the picture. And I sit that on the altar. And when I sit down to do my meditation, I include that relationship in the meditation. And my whole thing, it kind of comes from the Course in Miracles, in the sense of 
A miracle is a shift in perception. So I'm asking spirit to come in because I, in my best moment, am not getting this. I am in my humanness. I'm in my ego. I'm wanting to be right. I'm hurt. I'm all of those energies that keep me from being unconditionally loving for this person. And maybe there's hurts that I shouldn't be interacting with that person, but if they're interacting out of a hurt, I want to bring in energy to say, may we all be healed. May this relationship be healed. So I put the rock, the picture on my altar and I work with it. And then I wait for a shift. I, and when I get the shift, I normally get a message of um, it's time to take this person off. It's time to take the item somewhere. If I've used a rock, it might be, I might be told to take the item to the ocean and release the person. Um, I don't use good pictures. I use paper pictures because I've actually had them tell me to put the picture in the fire. And if it was a good picture of the person, then I had all this like, but that's the only really good picture of, of the person I have. I don't want to put it in the fire. So I normally take a photocopy of the picture and clip it so that when it goes into the fire, I'm not, you know, destroying, a, you know, a family photograph. And this can actually work for ancestors too. Like for someone who's passed, um, up the family lineage, if we look at how our parents treated us as a reaction to how their parents were treated, their parents' wounds, their ancestral wounds, all the way back up the, up the thing. So it doesn't have to be living, just living people. It can be relationships back through time. And for me, it's such a powerful thing because I don't have to do anything. I don't have to figure out how I'm going to fix it. I'm inviting spirit in to that relationship to help me see things and to help me know and not be trying to figure it out from my head, but going into my heart space and the place of connection where heaven and earth meet and go, okay, how, how, how do I shift this? How do I shift my heart how do I, in our connection, shift them? You know, not shift them, like force them. But I do believe when we shift our, how we see people, often they shift in response to our energy. Absolutely. Um, I have that same experience. Look at who came to visit. So it must be true because he comes in true, right, Tommy? So beautiful. Um, I have, I have that same experience with my mom and, and, you know, and the other day, I, you know, I, I had this cold and she said, I love you. And I was like, and, I, and, and it struck me like, wow, did she always say that? Or did I just hear that? Or, you know, when in our relationship did it change to be okay to be, cause when there's what we forget when we're antagonizing with our, our parents and our friend, our family, that it creates this place where there's no vulnerability that, that no one's going to risk. And I watched that and it was so helpful for me when my mother finally got mad at me for a year. And cause I, it was like the first time she stood up all these years, like you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. And then all of a sudden she's like, I had enough. And 
that I had enough. It was like, oh, hmm. Oh, there is a human inside there and who feels. And, and, and it, was, it was a break. And so, you know, one time a policeman said that the biggest amount of calls that they received for domestic abuse and violence was right before Christmas. And then by New Year's, everyone has made up again. And so I think that it's really important to understand that this, this, this family dynamic is, is truly the, the playgrounds. And so what advice would you give to somebody who, despite their, their, their going into that, um, you know, the war zone, they're going to go because they're a good family member. And, you know, what, what tools and techniques would you suggest besides for placing somebody on the altar when you're at sitting at the dinner table and you know the political banter starts and you're opposing and you're like biting your tongue there's a it certainly is a hard thing for a lot of people i had an experience very much like that with one the person that i was talking about in my family and um one of the things i did when I went for dinner is I created, I, I would have people that could be my phone a friend and I would excuse myself and go to the restroom and text or call the person and say, just re help me recenter. I don't want to be the person screaming at the dinner table. Help me recenter. And sometimes just texting, help, help me recenter helped me draw that energy away and go, you know, what do I want my holiday to be? Do I want it to be an argument? And this particular person, I would say, you know what, we shouldn't discuss this. This is a holiday. Let's all, and he could not let it go. He would just be at me, you know, you're from California. You don't know anything, you know, da, 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 da. And I would be like, okay, how do I bring this in? How do I bring a place of grounded and centeredness where I can hear and not be attacked? And for me, the phone a friend worked. Um, I love that one, the phone a friend. <laughs> phone a friend. And it, didn't, I, it wasn't a long conversation. It was what could be really done in a bathroom break. Hmm. You know, it was just like, okay, Carol, you know who you are. You know who he is you know, what playground do you want to play in? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you want to do? And just knowing that I had that outreach, sometimes I just go to the bathroom, take a breath and come back. And I didn't need to phone a friend because it was just like the opportunity to be away from that. Um, it's really hard when other people don't agree to play nice. You know, and you, want, you go in wanting to play nice and other people aren't going to play nice. And there's a, th a difference between, you know, choosing not to engage and getting steamrolled over and being abused. So, you know, sometimes the boundary is, you know, it's your house and I love everyone here and I'd love to stay. But if this is the way the conversation is going to be, I'm going to have to leave. And I did that one Christmas and one Thanksgiving and the rest of the family was like, Oh no, no, don't leave. Because it was like, I wasn't going to fight with this person. I wasn't going to, I didn't want to make anybody else's holiday miserable, but the attacks, I won't even say attacks. I will say the perceived attacks mm. because I don't know that I don't think it was personal. 
I just think that's how it felt to me at the time. And I was ready to, you know, walk away for a bit, go out, you know, go to a, you know, go take a drive and come back because I could, because I had the car, but, but I don't think these things are easy. I don't think they're, they're, um, they're graduate school work. You know, it's really much easier to do this sort of work with, um, you know, a coworker at work than it is with someone you're intertwined with. And that's why it's the opportunity is here. And I just say to people, accept your humanness, accept that sometimes you can't, you can't engage, you can't be at the highest place and then do your work afterwards and just get through the family dinner or the thing as best you can. And then work with, you know, work with someone, you know, dig deeper after the fact you can't in the, in the moment, you can't do therapy. You can't, you can't do all this stuff in the moment on the fly. I wish we were that good that we could do it that way, but we can't. So you bite your tongue and then you go to someone, you know, shaman, therapist, friend, who actually is someone who you're not just bitching at, but that you're digging and trying to figure out how to work that energy and how to shift it. Because our bitching about uncle Bob or, you know, whoever does not solve the issue. I don't know if that helps. I mean, I think it's a complicated and hard thing to maintain your centered balance. If you feel like someone is attacking or talking about things that you think are absolutely wrong. And in our political situation now, that's what's happening. It's, there's not a lot of middle ground. There's a right and a wrong on both sides and I'm right and you're wrong. And when you're in that, how do you, where do you find middle? <laughs> it is, it is for certainly a challenge. I've told clients to bring, bring a sock, put it in your purse. And then uh, when you think you got to say something, you know, to be right, reach into your purse and, and grab the sock just to remember that that's what you're supposed to stick in your mouth. I like that. <laughs> and you know, I've done other things like um, there was times when I actually got a hotel room instead of staying at the place that triggered me. And I didn't, ha I don't have to do that anymore, but there was a time when that was what was safe. You know, where we think that we have to jump in fully engage. I think that you have to give yourself permission to take care of yourself so that you can be a better family member when you show up for the holidays. And that's, I think what you're saying too. Yeah, exactly. And I actually think another thing is you don't always have to do your visits on the holidays. Huh. If the holidays are really hard and, and that I, for a, a number of years went in the summer and, you know, created my family of four holidays that supported and felt nurturing for me. And it was in a process of my healing. I couldn't do the holiday, so I didn't do the holiday. I couldn't do the holiday the way I wanted to. I couldn't show up the way I wanted to. So I gave myself permission for a couple of years to do visits that weren't on those holidays because the holidays seemed to make everything bigger. And I also did hotel rooms for a while. And um, 
I stayed with high school friends. I, you know, I did a lot of different things. And I also watched how long my trip was, you know, going in and spending five days with two of those days being travel. So I was really only there three was doable. But on the afternoon of the third day, I was always like, okay, I'm ready to go. And then after I did my work, I could do a longer visit and it was fine. So this isn't, this is just what you're going to do right now for this step until your spirit meets you and you have something where now you can take the website, the, that article down off the website without being triggered by it because you've changed on the spirit plane in your heart, that relationship with your mom that is totally different than what it was 20 years ago. Absolutely. And, and I think that's so important to, uh, to give ourselves that we do grow, we do change. And, you know, for me, um, my memories of Christmas as a youngster it was always, there was always a fight. It, I don't know why, but there was always a fight. You know, the Christmas tree got knocked over, whatever, a fight. And so I had to re, re-raise that child with her own Christmas and her own set of uh, rituals. And, you know, I still, even I, I live alone and I still set up my own Christmas tree. And so, you know, it's okay to, you can re-raise the child who was hurt. And I think we forget that. We don't have to get locked in to that. That's the way it was. That's the way it's going to be forever. And I absolutely, last year I took out the old antique china, you know, I made a beautiful dinner and there's no remnants of those. There's no traces of those scars. And I think that's important for people to know. I think that's beautiful because I hear so many people saying, I don't like the holidays. My family holidays were always awful. And I said, but you get to create whatever you want now as an adult. Um, Gloria Steinem had a comment in one of her books or one of her writings that I always remembered, what you didn't get as a child, you get to give to yourself as an adult. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it's creating a family of friends, I did orphans Thanksgivings and Christmases for years where I just invited everybody I knew who didn't have somewhere to go. And those actually are some of my most treasured holiday memories where all of us kind of misfits or, you know, who, who didn't have the money to travel or did whatever it was, created something. And we are creative beings. We are be people. We can create, continue to create the conflict or we can continue to nurture ourselves with our own creation by doing things like, okay, I want a Christmas tree that's like this. Or mm-hmm. I choose not to decorate and that I choose to go volunteer somewhere. I choose, there's choice, and there's choice in how we interact with our family, when we interact with our family, how much we interact with our family, and just because we're choosing not to interact at this moment. It's not, I don't love them. I love them in all their complicatedness. I just can't be with them right now. And I think when we allow ourselves to have those conflicting things as both true. I love them dearly, but there was a lot of stuff that I'm still working through. It makes it so much 
easier to create our own traditions because it's like, I have to go and put up with them because if I don't, I don't love them. Wow. That puts you in such a bind. So we need to be able to hold, you know, what's the human part. I laugh because I post on Facebook a lot and you know, I post pretty vulnerable, like just, this is what's going on in my life. I'm like just there. And I always laugh because there's always people who need to jump in and fix who need to tell me, well, what you need to do is this. And I'm like, no, I know what I need to do, but I'm also honoring the part of part of me that just says, pardon my language, this sucks right now. (laughs) (laughs) What a great thought to leave people on is that you can, and I think this would be a great thing because one of the biggest things you could do for another person, and we have somebody, um, Lisa Weichel, who talks about listening as a, as a, as a sacred way of showing up that I've been hesitant to tell people that I have had a cold because everyone wants to fix me. So what if, how would you leave people with the thought that there's nothing broken and there's nothing to fix? Oh, I love that. I, you know, I think one of the things I always tell myself is, you know, there's that quote that we are not human uh, do we are human beings have we are spirits having a spirit a human experience oh, excuse me I messed that up we are not we are not human we are spiritual beings having a human experience so I always tell myself well this is another human experience <laughs> you know <laughs> well I don't have to fix this in the sense that I think we get caught up sometimes in thinking that if we're spiritual enough we won't have the traumas, the suffering, the, you know, the, the, the stub your toes of being human. And so, you know, if we can just go, this is another one of those human experiences, being sick when you have a lot to do to get something done is a human experience. And, and we have human experiences because that's what we came here to do. And there is this thing where people want to say, oh, if I'm spiritual enough, I won't have this happen. Or, you know, it happens a lot when people are ill. People have, you know, cancer or something like that. And there's always people who want to go, well, what did you do to create that? Which I think is one of the worst questions you could ever ask someone. It's just part of the experience right now. And what am I going to do with the experience? As opposed to judging myself for the experience, what am I going to do now that I'm having this experience? Where, what's my next steps? To me, that's the best question to ask. Not why am I having this experience or why did she say this to me, but what are my opportunities? How do I get creative with my life? How do I dance with my life? How do I bring my humanness and my spirit together? And what does it need to do right now? I joke, are, do we need to do a cha-cha? Do we need to do a, you know, I love dancing with the stars. So what do we need to do with this? How do I I dance with this? Do I, you know, and just when we think we get the dance down, life changes the music. So we have to do another dance. So what dance am I going to do with this? What can I do with what's going on? How am I going to show up with it? And there's nothing wrong. If I'm, you know, I think sometimes the best thing to say is this is hard this is hard for me right now. And just really admit it's hard. What do I do with it being hard? What's the next step? 
do I phone, do I phone a friend? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Or do the cha-cha. Do I do it to the cha-cha? I like the cha-cha. Let's do the cha-cha this okay. time. Uh, I wish we had some music. We could. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to add some. Well, this has been really wonderful. And this topic we could go on, I'm sure, for, for days and all of the Christmases and all of the holidays and the Hanukkahs and all of those that have come before us. I, I'm so, people, if you, if you struggle with the holidays, you might want to look up carolwoodliff.com because she's a wonderful healer and I love her approach to, to life and she has a gift for you. So make sure you're signed up for the I am symposium. And I really want to thank you for being here with us today to talk about this dance. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. And I'm so excited to hear all the other people that are in this because there's some of my, some of my favorite people are in the I am symposium. So I can't wait to hear them. (laughs) Well, you know how I picked people was um, I picked them by people who would help me along the journey as I birthed the book wins of spirit. So they're all here for, for that divine cause. And I believe the winds orchestrated it all, all those years ago at the next top spiritual author and here on in, and that we continue to do the cha-cha together. So thank you so much for being here with us. Thank today. you, Renee. All right. And for those at home, there's still many, many days to come with this I Am Symposium. So make sure you go over to the IamSymposium.com and register so you'll be informed of who's up next. Have a great day.